This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host, our dad, Ryan Scott. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Um, this is episode 2.14. I'm super excited to get back on this train. I did, uh, took a little hiatus. I tell you, things have been getting super busy at the Scott household um, between just life and podcasting and writing a book and school and all that stuff. So I just said, I'm going to pump the brakes on the Big Ed Idea podcast. So I took two weeks off, um, but super stoked to get a really, a really good guest um, on this week's uh, podcast. I'm sure some of you, if you um, delve in the Ed podcast world, you will have seen this name. This young man's name is Dr. Mike Gaskell. Um, he has done quite a bit in the world of education. He's been in education. I think he said He's been a principal now for like 16 years. Um, right now, he is the principal. All right, Mike, I'm going to try and say this without <laughs> messing it up. Principal at Hammerskold. Pretty close. Okay. Hammerskold. Hammerskold Middle School in East Brunswick, New Jersey. Following experience as a special educator and an assistant principal in Paramus, New Jersey, he models the pursuit of lifelong learning as he serves to mentor new principals through the New Jersey Leaders to Leaders program. Um, he has written over two dozen articles in education journals and blogs, including Education Post, eSchool News, NASSP, EdTech, and ASCD Smart Brief. And he is also presented at numerous national conferences, including the Learning in the Brain Conference. He has been on numerous podcasts and actually started his own in January of 2022, in which he interviews successful adults. Mike has published two books, Leading Schools Through Trauma and MicroStrategy Magic. Dr. Gaskell works tirelessly to support instructional excellence and student success for his school community and most importantly, for the wellness and equity of all children. So without further ado, Dr. Mike, thank you for being on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Yeah, it's a great pleasure to join you, Ryan. I really love uh, meeting fellow educators with the same aspirations I have. You talked about my first book and my second book came out in the fall, Leading Schools Through Trauma. And I actually just submitted my manuscript for a third book. Oh, so I'm sure we'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah. You were, we were just talking pre-podcast pre about the joys of, and time of writing. And uh, actually I find it very therapeutic, yeah. but we'll get into that too, I'm sure. Uh, and it has just been a great ride uh, getting to meet lots of great people like you. And I'm looking forward to this interview. Absolutely, man. So I got to ask you before we get rolling, um, let's say previous or, or prior to COVID, um, were you super checked in to social media um, or, or did you really get dialed in because of, of COVID of COVID? I actually think it was a combination of COVID and being quarantined and my aspirations to start reaching out to educators and families beyond my school walls. And that's been the great ride ironically over the past two years after such challenging circumstances um i always like to say never waste a good crisis which i stole from winston churchill <laughs> yeah. and um you know there is opportunity in, in challenge and so uh, i feel like getting on that train has been a combination of the two uh, and so i've that all became emerged with the writing i started writing in 2018 with uh starting with articles and blogs and it was interesting because my editor kept saying to me and her name is ellen allman she's outstanding 
you know, they're, you're making ASDMOS red. And I'm thinking to myself, people actually want to read what I have written, <laughs> have to offer. Okay. So I got more and more into it and I've, I've loved it ever since. And, and as if I can help, as I like to say, one kid and one adult, it was all worth it. Yeah. What I love, man, what I love is the humbleness. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, imposter syndrome is definitely uh, real for me. And, and so when I have people that are like, yeah, I mean, you know, I really like your idea. It just blows me away. So yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest challenges I think as leaders is managing our ego and we're, you know, constantly in a position where people are leaning on us and, and looking up to us. But with that comes a lot of responsibility. And I think humility is such a significant part of the successful side of that. And the complete opposite of that is starting to believe what they think. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's a fine balance. Yes, absolutely. That's what my wife is for. She she'll check me at the door, you know, and <laughs> yep. ditto, you know, ditto, ditto, yep. ditto. Okay, Mike. Um, so what I love to do on this podcast is just be 100% real. Um, you know, me and you are just two average dudes that stumbled into the world of education. Um, and so what I like to give the listeners is just a little taste of, of actually what's life actually like at my house and then life at your house. And so um, this first little segment is just super easy. It's called What's Up at the Scott House. And, and I've got three words that describe what's going on at my house right now, um, at least this week. And those words are break, change, and soccer. Um, and so break, <laughs> break. I kind of alluded to earlier. Um, I just felt like uh, I needed to take a break. Um, too many irons in the fire. Um, you know, just really hard sometimes to just sit down and be in the moment and be where my feet are because thinking about the, you know, all those other things that I'm involved in. And so the last two weeks, I just said, nope not recording any podcast, you know, I'm just taking my foot off of that gas pedal. Um, second thing, change. I actually, this is the first episode where I get to announce um, that I'm going to be the, the, the next principal at AIS High School, which is the Academy for Innovative Studies um, in Evansville, Indiana, in the Evansville Vandenberg School Corporation, um, which happens to be the third largest city in the state of Indiana, and I am blessed to be able to take over their alternative school, and I'm super pumped because, um, honestly, I want to make it the anti-alt school. Um, I want to make it, you know, everything that an alt, an alt school is not supposed to do, we're going to do it, um, so I'm super stoked to be able to do that and to, um, you know, I want these kids, I want this place to be a place of opportunity, not a place of punishment. And so that's change. And then my last word is soccer, because we are right in the middle of soccer season. Um, I've got three, da four daughters. All four of my daughters have wanted me to coach them at some time. And this season, I've got a U13 team and a U6 team. So it's going to be um, quite a bit of fun. And so, Dr. Mike, what's going on at your house? Yeah. So first of all, I've got to congratulate you on your incredible opportunity. I love the way you phrase that, that you want to turn this into the sort of the unalt school. That's right. I, I love that. That is, I have to remember that. Can I steal that from you? For the, Absolutely. For future yeah. Book? <laughs> yeah, please do. Um, or, I'll, or I'll reference you. Um, you can do that in po from podcasts, by the way, I've done that. Um, yeah. Secondly, uh, that is fantastic that you took time for yourself because we, have to model what we're trying to teach everybody. And you and I are both in a, a similar vein on that. So I think that's fantastic. And third, boy, you got a chance to, you, know, you get to be, you know, coaching your, your daughters through soccer. I know that sometimes you don't feel that way, but it's really valuable to look at it from the, you get to not, you have to, right? Absolutely. So I just wanted to mention that real well, quick to you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So the words I would say that I would use are grateful, energized, and hopeful. Ooh. So I'll start with, okay. yeah, so I'll start with grateful. So I've been feeling a lot of gratitude lately, mainly because of that word I just used. I, I get to do some things. I get to see my, I have two daughters too, by the way. So I, God bless you for having four. Uh, but uh, I have two and my oldest daughter is, uh, got into her college of choice 
And I'm really excited because it's also the college her mom and dad went to. And we didn't force her. <laughs> Even we better. Did not, we didn't brainwash her except for those hundreds of trips to the college sure, for football games and sure, things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy for her. I'm also very happy. My younger daughter, who was having a difficult time post COVID, as uh, you know, I've seen with a lot of kids, and I, I know you, um, I can almost bank on the fact that you have too, as a fellow colleague, uh, that really, really struggled with it and struggled with their anxiety. And, uh, and kids were traumatized by it as, as we're adults. So she is getting much better at that. So grateful for that, grateful for my wonderful wife and, and family. And that things are okay for us. You know, I mean, there's so many things. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things in the world that we could look at and be unhappier with or unconcerned or concerned about. But these are things that, that I'm very grateful for. Um, And then of course, also I mentioned earlier that I, I I just submitted a manuscript for my third book. It's going to be called radical principles. Oh, cool. Um, Literally. Yeah. Literally P A L S, you know, radical principles. And um, it really speaks to a lot of the um, things that we'll get into here. Um, so I'll leave it at that for now. The, the next one I would say is energized because I just came back from a week off. And a lot of people said to me, oh, that's so nice. You got to rest and relax. I'm not the guy who rests and relaxes that well. <laughs> so I spend my, <laughs> I mean, for me, yeah, I'm still it. working. I'm still writing. I, like I said, I finished my manuscript. Um, I'm still thinking about, the week I come back, I'm still, you know, running kids here and there and that's okay. I mean, it's a slower pace. So I feel energized because I had a chance to go at a slower pace. And that that's very important for us to do sometimes like you just did with your two weeks. Um, and then the last thing I, I said was that, that I'm very hopeful. And the reason for that is uh, I had just written an article um, earlier this year in uh, ASCD smart brief about how a lot of people are very discouraged about the recovery process for kids coming out of pandemic, the fact that there's literacy loss, uh, the challenges, the increases in addiction and suicide rates and, and all the things that we know are in existence, depression and anxiety, the things we were just talking about. And yet I wrote this article, it was right at the new year uh, saying these, you know, this is one of those things that I want to encourage people about in the year ahead. And that is that there's a history of cycles and it goes, you know, it includes uh, terrible tragedies like the Holocaust in Europe. It includes uh, Katrina, which was the hurricane in uh, Louisiana. And it includes even individualized uh, folks like uh, some folks that were at Google that were, they did a study on and found that their most successful individuals were not Ivy League graduates or prime, you know, premier prime college graduates, but instead the, those that were most traumatized and able to get past it post-traumatic yeah, growth. Yeah, yeah. So there's all this evidence out there that says, wait a minute, hold on a second. All is not lost. And in fact, there can be remarkable successes. So that's the reason I wanted to generally speak to hopefulness because people, I constantly hear, you know, the, you know, the um, stream of concerns and challenges and everything's so terrible now. And, you know, the, the Ukraine war and everything else. And it, I'm not dismissing that. What I'm sure. saying is, is, okay, but can we can sit here and be miserable about it or we can try to make the best of it. So that's why I talked about being awful. That's exactly right. Exactly what you just said uh, reminded me. I'm sure you've read it. Malcolm Gladwell's uh, David and Goliath. Oh yes. What a great oh, book, man. You know, I got to tell you a funny story. My brother said to me that he did a 23 and me uh, thing for us as a family. I don't know if you know what these 23 mean, they, they can tell your genes and who you're related to all the way back in this. And uh, so when he did it, he did it for me, basically. That's what's cool about, you know, being family for specifically for men. I'm not sure why he said with women, it's let it's more confusing or something. But regardless, um, he was able to find that at least a distant cousin, Malcolm Gladwell is. And as I like to say, maybe I didn't get to his writing level yet, but I'm working on it. That's right. That's (laughs) right. No, but no, that'd be very cool. Look, what I was going to say, he makes the statement are um, in that David and Goliath where he talks about dyslexia and about, um, you know, the fact that uh, for some people, dyslexia ended up being a positive thing because it helped them to work through all of their failures. And yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying about um, hopeful. Um, I'm definitely a, definitely a disciple of feeding the positive dog daily. Um, You know, I, 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 I want to live my life in a positive way and some days are harder than others. 
but we can always find a um, blessing, I think, in pretty much anything. Um, we just mm-hmm. maybe need to narrow our focus a little bit. So, um, Dr. Mike, my next segment, I've got two getting to know you questions. So we're going to know a little bit more about who this guy is, um, who this Dr. Mike Gaskell really is outside of the education world. Sounds good. Okay. So what's the last fiction book that you read? Full disclosure, Harry Potter. (laughs) All right. Do you remember which which Harry Potter it was? It was uh, the last one. Okay. Okay. Because I read them in order. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'll be honest. And, and I, the reason I ask this is I do not do a good job of reading fiction. Um, I'm always wanting to learn. And, and I think the last fiction book that I read, I reread um, John Steinbeck on the road, um, mm. which was actually when I was 19, that book inspired me to quit college <laughs> and uh, move and go on the road for a little bit. So, yeah, that was my last book. Um, Mike, what was the last concert that you attended? So talk about timing. It was the Rockettes uh, Christmas concert in New York City. And it was the, the Christmas before that March of the pandemic. So it's oh, been wow. a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, this past <laughs> fall, my wife and I went to lovely Louisville, Kentucky, um, and we got to see this band called Shovels and Rope which is a band. Yeah. Which is a band out of Savannah, Georgia. And I think it's like a husband and wife and she plays the guitar and it's like folksy type of stuff. New folk. Nice. Yeah. So that's my question, Mike. Uh, what questions you got for me? Yeah. So I guess, um, one of the things I want to ask you is someone who, who has similar, you know, a similar trajectory. We talked about this earlier. What would you say motivate you to work with and write about ways to help children at a disadvantage? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I actually, I just read a book, a good friend of mine um, introduced it to me. It's called Reaching the Wounded Student hmm. by Joe Hendershot. And he talks about students um, struggling with trauma and, and um, you know, life. He calls them wounded Um Cause you know, we, he talks a lot about, you know, you've got your at risk kids and then you've got your wounded kids, Mm -hmm. you know, your at risk kids are the ones that may eventually, you know, I love the wounded student and and here's why. Cause I was a wounded student. I was a kid in high school that had severe depression. I was a kid in high school that, um, you know, very seriously attempted suicide, um, got into drugs very early to try to cover all of that stuff. Um, I talk a lot about, about my wandering years where I literally just wandered around trying to find my life. Um, and I talk a lot about how the, the, the happy accident that was my oldest, my 19 year old, almost 19 year old. If I hadn't of, um, miss, uh, what's the word I want to say? If I hadn't had her at 22 completely out of the blue was not planning for it. I would still be that person. Um, Mm -hmm. So I can very much relate to my students that feel lost, that feel hopeless, um, that feel like that just uh, maybe the word is yeah. Lost. Like I totally get those kids. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of made it my mantra Um, And I tell kids every day that you're going through the things you're going through now so that later on in life, you will meet the exact kid that you are now and you'll be able to tell them how you got through it. Mm. So that's kind of why I love those kids. And to be honest, man, I love the kids that overcome and succeed, especially when I hear adults telling other adults that this kid is never going to succeed. Oh, that's the kids that I love. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're from the same, uh, cut from the same cloth. My friend. That's right, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So I'll move on to my next question. If you could solve one big problem in education, what would it be? I think that our standards are written for 
the at least here in Kentucky, our standards are written assuming that our kids come to us in kindergarten ready to go. Um, and what we know here in Kentucky, using the Brigants, 50% of our kids coming into kindergarten completely ill-prepared for kindergarten. Uh, and we're not even talking about academically. We're talking about social and emotional. We're talking about executive functioning skills. We're talking about, you know, just the cognitive neuroscience aspect. Um, you know, when you've got a kid that's literally functioning on the emotional level of a three-year-old, um, and here in Kentucky, poverty rate, poverty rates about 20%. Um, and so plus or minus a couple percentage, 20% of our kids literally are coming to us um, with all of the baggage that poverty brings with them, higher trauma, you know, um, just, just all the baggage. And we assume that that 50% of kids that aren't prepared in kindergarten, we assume that we give enough time to bring them up to snuff and we don't. Um, so if it was up to me, K one and two would be drastically changed drastically slowed down um, with the end goal that all of kids are ready by the end of second grade. And, and you have three years to do so. And you're going to have some kids that are already there and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you have to get them on a third grade level as a kindergarten. That means give them more play, give them more, you know what I mean? And so yeah, sure. my big idea this i know this is the big idea podcast but one of my big ideas is to completely revamp how we do primary and to make primary the great equalizer that it's supposed to be and to effectively slow down early so that we can speed up later mm. i love so that concept yeah reminds me of uh, a term i've used a lot and i don't know if i stole this from somebody or it just came out of my own head or probably a combination of both Institutional, yeah, right. Um, institutionalizing equity, which yeah. is the reverse of institutionalizing all the other problems that we're dealing with. So, yeah, just yeah, the way no, to do it. I get it. I completely get it. Mm. Okay, my friend. So now that you know a little bit about me, and uh, you've asked me the two questions, and I've asked you the questions, I'm ready to let's jump into who this Mike fellow is. And so, um. My kids and I are definitely comic book uh, people. I love Marvel. Uh, we actually just rented the new Spider-Man again last night and watched it. And so earlier when you were talking about, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, Spider-Man came to mind. Um, hmm. And so I really like to give a moment for our folks to talk about their origin story. Um, because everybody finds education a little bit differently. And it really tells me a lot about somebody when they can tell us their origin story. So, uh, Mike, how did education find you? Yeah, it's interesting because when you said that, I thought about the challenges that I had to overcome, which we talked about earlier, which I'll, which I'll explain. But then it occurred to me, I did have a bit of an advantage. And that is that my father was a, an auto shop teacher. Yeah. Uh, and my mother was a school nurse. So oh, sweet. I thought to myself, oh, wait a minute. I did come from a family of educators and sometimes I forget that. So it's important to mention that. So that's, mm -hmm. that's one thing that I would mention. But I will tell you, though, that it, it was not an even and, you know, steady road for me <laughs> in the slightest bit. Um, yeah. Uh, and in fact, I wrote about this in, in uh, Leading Schools Through Trauma. A few years ago, my daughter was snooping around at my grandparents at her grandparents' uh -oh. house. Yeah. <laughs> and she found a folder and that folder had, was stuffed with papers and it simply was labeled Mike. And she opened <laughs> it up and she handed it to me and said, daddy, I didn't know you got in so much trouble. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and she said, I found this folder and I opened it up. And, it, you know, I always say, I said in the book, I don't know why my parents ever kept this folder, but I'm eternally grateful that they did. Yeah. And the reason is, is as I paged through that, I was, I recalled and also very vividly, but in a different adult perspective, well, wow, I really went through a lot of challenges that I can write about, that I can inspire people about, that I can talk about in a way that says, okay, you know, I might not be a minority and, and in other ways uh, at an equity disadvantage, but I did have some real challenges. I was born with a club foot. Uh, oh, and yet, 
Yeah. And I was treated for that and wore a knee high brace until I was uh, 12 years old. And yet I was determined to become fast. And it's a little bit like the Forrest Gump story. I, I literally, I didn't quite run out of my braces. So I, <laughs> but I, I ended up being the second fastest kid in my high school, my senior year. And, and I always say that because I'm like, you know, one and a half legs and I'm out From where you started. Yeah. 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 So it was, it was, it was that kind of work ethic. I was always punching above my weight. And when I look back at those, uh, that folder, I mean, there were detentions and suspensions and summer school. And I failed math twice in high school. And I kept just sort of stumbling around and not really quite figuring it out all the way up until uh, about middle of the way through college. And I was really lucky to get into a great university at that time that Penn State was letting people, just about anybody into their branch campuses. It was like going to a community college. And my grade point average was way too low. It was a 2.1. And I, nobody should have accepted me into their college, but I'm again, glad that they did. And it's a lot like what you said about, you know, helping the, either the at-risk or the wounded kid. When I was in third grade, my mom had uh, a case manager do it. And it was the school psychologist do a, an evaluation on me to see if maybe I needed something more. And she wrote a dismal report. She told, talked about me being hostile, impulsive, six months below grade level, socially uh, unprepared, uh, and that I had realistic unrealistic expectations i wanted to be a doctor someday in the third grade I mean, literally yeah yeah oh man I, what did i want to be a doctor or that she was saying was no like all this stuff about you in the third grade yeah well it was a very comprehensive and as i said dismaying report i had never yeah. seen this before but again it was in this file and i got to give my parents a lot of credit because they never really gave up on me and they never really said, well, you're never going to make it. I never heard that from them. I just heard, try your best. And they had what, you know, we would call today more of a growth mindset. We didn't know what that was back then. This is, you know, 40 uh, years ago, but, uh, but we did know that when parents, we do know now that when parents say that or encourage your kids in that way, it gives them a lot more empowerment Absolutely. and liberty to, yep. yeah, to make mistakes and then grow from it and get better. And so I feel like that was that was a, a part of it, too. But as I said, I mean, you know, impulsive, hostile, six months below grade level, um, socially maladjusted. I mean, th these were like signs that were I should not have succeeded, at least not in the way I did or end up in the field that I did for that matter. But yet here I was uh, turning it around in about midway through college. And I met my now wife back then, who's, who's wonderful. And, and she um, she straightened you up. She was always, you know, that kid who, a kid, young lady that was involved in everything. You know, she was in student council and she, you know, was in every you know, three varsity sport and she, you know, studied at night and, you know, and yeah, she was a really great influence on me as well. And, and these were the influences in my life that I, I'm really grateful for because I got to become a teacher, which is the greatest profession ever. Because we can mold the minds of kids and help the mind, the, the damaged minds, as you said, yep. or, you know, help them realize that the, the damage is part of their strength. And you know, being in that role was amazing. And, and I got to be a special education teacher and I loved it. I just loved being a special education teacher. And I did everything in special education. I taught uh, self-contained students. I taught uh, resource and I taught in an in-class support environment, all the above. And I loved every moment of every aspect of that and being able to help. There was a young man um, who uh, I was asked to go tutor at the sister middle school when I was teaching. And I said, well, why don't you, in fact, it was, it was Harry Potter. I said, why don't you read Harry Potter? It's a fourth grade level book and he's in sixth grade and he couldn't read it. So I had him read a, try a third grade sample in the second grade. And it occurred to me, he never learned how to read and write. And they sure. pushed him through to the sixth grade. So I felt compelled to help this young man Excellent. learn how to read and write. Love that. And, and it was, he had the right mindset and work ethic and we got him through and he ended up graduating West Point uh, oh. like eight or 10 years ago. Wow. Thanks. And, and he's, yeah, he's a successful military man. I'm really proud of him. And, you know, those are the stories that I think inspire us and make us realize what you said about that kid who we love to disprove to the you know people who say they're not going to make it. And I was one of those kids. I was yep. one of those kids. So I can speak to that. Just like yeah. you said, you know, we are great models and examples because, you know, if we're vulnerable, if we're willing to be vulnerable enough, and by the way, adults should be right about this too, 
then they need to tell kids the struggles and trials. Every adult went through struggles and trials. You and I might have gone some, through some more profound ones, but every adult went through some struggles and trials. And they need to open that up to kids and not be so private and, and perfect because kids know you're not perfect. I cannot uh, agree anymore. Yeah. So that's really what got me into it. And then I, I, I was actually in speech pathology in undergrad, but um, I took a, a, you know, a, a class uh, on teaching in my senior year. It was required. And I'm like, oh, I'm, not, I'm in the wrong field. I got to get into teaching. So I, I switched over in, my, in grad school to special education and got my master's in special education, uh, after which I was teaching for a short while. And somebody said, you should be an administrator. You're pretty good at, you know, you know, uh, managing things. And I'm thinking to myself, me? And I'm looking over my shoulder. <laughs> and I went and got my um, master's degree in, in administration from Rutgers University here in, in New Jersey. Great program. And, you know, I've been an assistant principal and a principal ever since. And I love it. I love being a building person. I love having that contact. I love being a liaison between a board of ed that is almost always supportive of kids uh, and, and almost always seeing things the same way as I do. And when they don't, I realize, Hey, you know what? That's just like at home with my wife, you know, like we don't have to agree on everything. We just have one thing in common. We care about kids. And um, yeah. So here I am. I got my doctorate. Uh, in 2000, gosh, I think it was 2016. What is that? About five years ago, and uh, or 2014, maybe even. I can't remember quite anymore. But it was five to seven years ago, and that was another real milestone for me because working as hard as I did around the obstacles I did, I was really proud of that. And um, you know, those kinds of accomplishments that again aren't really for me. They're they're for me to share with other people to say, look, if a guy like me can do it anybody can do it, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's really where it comes from. And uh, I'm in a middle school now. We're really excited because it's changing from a six, seven middle school. It's a weird setup to a five, six sort of upper elementary slash intermediate oh, oh. school yeah. next year. Yeah. Cause we're doing some restructuring. So I'm really excited about that. Trying, um, you know, with a slightly different grade structure or level. And it's a nice change of pace. It's a nice change of pace for somebody. I mean, I've been a principal for 16 years and I love, and the reason people say, well, I've been there for so long because I love it. Yeah. And I'm doing all this other great stuff now because you get to a point, I'd say about my fifth or sixth year in administration, maybe seventh, where you, you know, you're, you're kind of anticipating everything. I mean, nothing's ever the same, but there's a lot of things that you can manage in your day. And that's when people like us can then start to go out and write and do podcasts and, you know, speak at conferences and share the wealth. And that's, that's really the most rewarding part of it. So that's, that's really the, the essence of it. I'd say. That's awesome. And I love that origin story. I love the, I love the fact that your humble beginnings um, probably, you know, people maybe would have discounted you and against some tough odds, you now have the opportunity to look at kids that were like you and be like, eh, I did it. Yeah. You can do it. Right. Yeah, that's the best part. Yeah, sometimes I'll share that uh, evaluation report with them. And, you know, every now and then when I have enough new staff around me, I'll share that story with them and I'll say to them, what do you think is going to happen to this? And I won't tell them who the kid is. What do you think is going to happen to this kid? Oh, you know, he's going to end up uh, on drugs, go to jail. You know, um, he'll never really accomplish anything. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And then eventually I, I come around to who do you think this kid is? And then someone finally says, is it you? After like <laughs> yeah. a long, uncomfortable yeah. set of questions. And I say, yeah. And I say, the reason I tell you that is because uh, we need to look at every kid and say they can do it too. That's exactly right, man. I love that mindset. So, okay. So the big, um, I guess the big, idea of the big idea podcast is um, trying to come up with, you know, a certain idea that we think could change the world of or through education. Um, I know, you know, you've been in ed for quite a while and you've probably been in some buildings where thinking outside of the box is not always encouraged. Um, I know I've, I myself have been some places where, you know, you're the weird person if you've got these you know, crazy ideas, you know, and you, and you like to share them. So I wanted to create a safe space where people could just share the craziest ideas that they had, as long as the end goal was to improve education. Um, but Mike, before we can get to your idea, we got to kind of talk about what is the problem 
of ed that your idea hopes to alleviate. And so before we get into your idea, Mike, uh, what is the problem in education that you see? Yeah, we've talked across this a lot throughout the beginning here, and, and that is that we're still dealing with a persistent pattern of resistance where kids that are disadvantaged, at risk, whatever you want to call the whole you know, composite, and you mentioned it well when you divided it into a couple parts, it, it, there's no one problem like yeah. that we can just diagnose and fix. So we have to acknowledge that there are a set of problems, a set of challenges, and really take some fierce and I would argue, use the word radical, act, you know, to play on words from my upcoming book, um, action in order to make that change work. And a lot of this is around addressing issues of equity. I know this is such a sensitive topic right now in politics, and it absolutely shouldn't or, or can't be. Yeah. You know, this is not a blue and red problem. No. This is no. just a problem. Yeah. And it has to be dealt with, or we'll be sitting here spinning our wheels and Every, the moment we go into politics about this is the, is the moment kids lose. That's the bottom line. Everybody thinks, oh, no, you know, we have to do X, Y. The bottom line is, is we got to figure out ways to support children, to provide them nourishing environments where they can flourish because of who they are, not because of who they aren't. And so those are some of the most important things. Um, so, and I can kind of segue then into what you yeah, were Yeah, yeah, asking. yeah. So what's your idea, man? Like, so, so yeah, you're right. Equity to me, um, equity is not about, you know, just the color of your skin or your background or, you know, it's equity is what are we doing to meet kids where they are in the moment? Yep. So, you know, a lot of this comes down to celebrating the small wins, as I like to say, I wrote a, yeah. an article called the power of small wins in ASD blog. And, you know, so much of this has to do with Kids who are at a disadvantage are constantly experiencing losses or losing. And so they get used to that. And another way to look at this is they're so used to adults giving up on them that they're tough to break through that shell. They're, you know, they're sort of passive aggressive because that's a protective mechanism for them. They've developed that to protect them with their own shell you got to break that shell. And the way to do that is through time and patience and really develop, you know, very strategic ways to help support them and show them that. So I'll give you one quick example of something that I do in my building. And, um, and I've written about this too, because I write about everything uh, and it's called middles to littles. So a couple of years ago, my superintendent came to me and said, I need to bring 200 preschoolers to your middle school. And I said, well, that doesn't make, that doesn't mix. sound very fun. Yeah. Aren't they supposed, <laughs> yeah. Aren't they supposed to be in an elementary or on the flip side, like in the high school where like they've got people interested in learning about preschool and, and, you know, in their, you know, pre-collegiate or pre, or, you know, in their post-secondary life possibly. And um, he said, well, we don't have any more room. So you got to oh. do it. So find a spot. I said, I don't think I have any room here either. And he said, no, you got room. So I found the room and we brought these 200 preschoolers in. And I started to think to myself, you know, I got to make lemonade out of lemon. So this goes to your point about sometimes I don't always agree with the decisions that are made uh, above me. I may not understand them fully, but, uh, you know, I, I have to accept the fact that that's the way it was. Right. Yeah. Because I, it is a problem that, you know, I can't necessarily agree with in a moment, but embrace it now that I, they're there, do something positive with it. So we're constantly celebrating the victories of kids who are at an advantage. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but we need to then start finding ways, clever ways to do that with disadvantaged kids. So what I did here was I developed a program where at-risk kids, who by the way, often have literacy problems, yeah, because exactly right. as you said, yeah, uh, I think I, I've heard stories about the discrepancy in the amount of words kids in poverty exposed to are like a third of that of you know kids who- um, A million less. Yeah. 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 It's huge. So, you know, they already have reading problems and they already feel deficient as a result because of those kinds of things. And they're developing these, these strategies and these coping mechanisms. So what I did was, you know, I said to these, to a kid in a, for, to start this off, if you have a good week, I'm going to let you go read to the preschoolers. And I didn't know if I was going to get the finger, like <laughs> that's lame. I'm not doing that that's for wussies or 
what? Well, let me tell you something. I hadn't seen this kid smile ear to ear like he did. And this was a big, tough looking kid, six foot tall in middle school. And he's the kind of kid who runs too fast and yells too loud. And he's running down the hall and, par- and teachers are saying, see, that kid's causing yeah. a problem again. Right, right. So he had a good week and I had him go in and read. And let me tell you something. It's like dog therapy for yeah. kids. Yeah. And he, he read like a Dr. Seuss book. And it was so within his range and the kids were high-fiving him and we brought him back. And then we started, we said, wait a minute, we got something here. So we started a whole program where at-risk kids are encouraged. It doesn't have to just be kids who are, you know, poor or, you know, uh, a minority or something like that. This this is anybody who's struggling, anybody. And there's more of that now than ever. Yeah, sure. And, And so they are incentivized and it became the cool thing to do in this school i had the kids who oftentimes are some of the most difficult kids also the most popular kids at this age uh reading and saying this is cool to do they all wanted a piece of the pie so i said all right but you got to do your part and now what's happening is instead of teachers yelling at the kid when he's too loud in the hall or he's running too fast they go up to him instead of waving a finger at him they say hey are you reading next week I heard you read last week. I hope everything's going well. That's and right. Suddenly, Remember. not only not only <laughs> does the dynamic start to shift for that kid, but more, as importantly, possibly more for the adults who, with unintended biases we carry, start to shift their mind. That kid read to them, and I saw these great pictures, and he was on video and made it in the news, and you know that it becomes a systemic change. So these yeah. are the things that we have to do. We have to think, like you said earlier outside the box because the inside the box stuff ain't working and so if it was working we wouldn't be sitting here talking about blow this, up the I. box exactly so <laughs> yeah blow it destroy it and then start thinking about alternatives so this might sound like something so simple well that's the whole genius of it yeah, it yeah. is simple yeah and i embraced something i had in my school that was an inconvenience and i made it something that would benefit disadvantaged kids and my teachers who are now managing their behaviors better instead of screaming and handing me a pink slip or, you know, whatever the referral form is of, of the day and saying, this kid needs to be suspended. And I love when people say that because I say, really? Well, let me ask you a question. Did you know that suspension has absolutely no positive outcome, not just for the at-risk kid, but for everyone else around them too? Yeah. Yeah. It has a negative consequence for the kid who wasn't even suspended, but he's sitting next to the kid who was yep. suspended when he comes back. So, you know, uh, We've got to look at alternatives, and these are these are this is just one small example. Of what many. was the okay? So tell me the name of this program. I call it Middles to Littles. Middles to Littles. Okay. Actually, man, and, I think I'm going to call that's what this show title is going to be because I <laughs> so love that idea. Because I love, like you said, some of the best ideas are just yeah, just simple ideas. When they come by accident. And right? they come by accident, yeah. And the other thing that's great about this and why I write about it is because my whole thing is anybody can do this. Now, here's why. We had this thing called the pandemic. You might have heard of this mm, over about a two-year yeah. period yeah, of time. Yeah, I think so. And one of the things that happened is everybody got on video. Well, now you can go out to any nursery or preschool or whatever you call them, daycare center in your community and say, hey, would you mind working with us? And you could do a couple field trips a year and maybe do an end of the year celebration with the kids who read and the, and the classes. But a lot of it can be on video. When we were in quarantine, we didn't get rid of middle littles. We just moved it to video. That's and cool. I said to the kids, are you guys okay with this? They're like, yeah, this is still great. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not the same thing as sitting in person and high-fiving yeah, a three-year-old yeah, yeah, yeah. after reading Dr. Seuss, but it's the next best thing. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's still an option for schools who may not have an accessible preschool program to them. What I love about it, um, I was a, you may not know this about me. I was a kindergarten, first grade teacher for a while. And my absolute favorite thing to teach was phonics teaching. And and especially for several years, I had a class of second graders who we affectionately called the crack kids because (laughs) they were falling through the cracks. They were, their adaptive skills were too high. So they didn't get, they didn't qualify for an IEP but they were too low to be in the general um, classroom yep. because they, their reading levels were just, 
And uh, for several years, my sole goal with these group of kids was to teach how to read. And I used um, a 1973 curriculum, um, old school phonics, like, like the manual, you would open it up and it had uh, guys with perms and mustaches, um, but it worked. And so I love that because you're teaching these kids to lead, to read, but you're also given a motivation. Um, you are teaching them empathy. Um, you are teaching them, um, gratitude. you know, yeah. Gratitude. Um, this, this thing that I have, I'm actually writing about this thing called hope, um, hope theory. You're giving these kids a, um, pathway, which builds their hope coefficient, which now increases everything. So just a little bitty program called middles to littles, um, has the potential to really do a lot of really good work. So bravo, man. Thanks. And what it starts to do too with programs like this is you start to be able to stack them together with other ideas because people yeah. start saying, oh, I have an idea too. And it becomes generalized to this larger concept of making these kinds of inventive programs work. Yeah. And as I like to say, you know, it might look a little bit different in your school. Guess what? It should look a little bit sure. different in your school. Sure. Your school's not my school. My school's not yours. But certainly we can use the same ideas and then make a greater program and, and experience for the kids out of it. Yeah. What I love about it, Mike, is like you said in the very beginning of this, like your superintendent comes to you, Mike, man, I've got like 200 preschoolers I got to put in your place. And, you know, you could have very easily begrudgingly just stuck them in a corner and just did it. But instead, uh, like you said, you turned lemons to lemonades. You found a way um, to turn a negative, I guess you could say it was a negative, maybe initially it came off as a negative, but you were to turn that negative into a positive. And, and I just think like that skill is priceless. And so thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you for, for shining a light for all of our listeners out there um, that are listening to this, that some of the biggest ideas don't have to be big ideas. Sometimes our biggest ideas are just little ideas. That's right. That's yep. right. So I love it, man. Um, okay. So I feel like we have talked about your big idea, which um, um, you affectionately called the middles to littles. Love it, love it, love it. Um, and so anybody that's out there that is listening that maybe wants to um, talk a little bit more with Dr. Mike, maybe wants to ask you more about this middles to littles, maybe just wants to talk to you about your books um, I know you do a little consulting and speaking on the side as well. So how can our friends out there in the edusphere get a hold of Dr. Mike Gaskell? Yeah, the best way is to hit me up on Twitter. That's okay. Gaskell M. Gaskell. Uh, I'm, I, if you put in the show notes, they'll see what it is. But it's, yeah, it'll be I don't know why, yeah, I don't know why my name showed up twice in this. It, it's just, you know, they gave you the Gaskell M, which is for my first name, Mike. Gaskell, Gaskell M. Gaskell. That's my Twitter handle. Um, I also have a website, mikesmicrominute.com, and you can uh, check that out. It talks a little bit about my books and things. Um, and yeah, I just had the book uh, Leading Schools Through Trauma come out this fall. Um, people are all saying to me, wow, what timing did you plan that? And I say, actually, the initial proposal came before the pandemic because I already knew there was a problem with trauma in schools yeah, yeah. and it just got reinforced in the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some information there. And like I said, I'm now, the manuscript I just wrote uh, for Radical Principles just got submitted. So this, you'll learn this when you put your, your book out. Um, this is going to have about a four-month turnaround time. So it, it would be somewhere in the fall for that as well. Okay. Okay. Wonderful, man. It's been, um, it's been a lot of fun talking to a fellow um, outside-of-the-box thinker. Um, <laughs> Definitely. A fellow um, wanderer. Um, a fellow, um, I like to say... You have the John Lennon complex. Um, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Someday I hope you'll join us and the world will live as one. Um, there you go. So I love to meet people that are, um, how do I say this? That are ballsy enough to think that they are going to change the world. Because at the end of the day, those are the type of people that actually do. So Mike, I appreciate you been my pleasure thanks so much and i should mention my podcast name is very similar to yours but there is one small catch at the end it's called big ideas and small windows oh and that's because, okay yeah so the whole concept is that 
we can come up with big ideas in simple ways, which is yeah. perfect to what we just kind of spelled out. Excellent, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate everything you're doing for the world of education. Um, I appreciate uh, everything you're doing for those kids out there in New Jersey. I uh, love the opportunity to connect and uh, don't be a stranger, my friend. Yeah. Back at you, brother. I appreciate all that you're doing too. It's, it's great to help and good luck with your new school and your new book. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. I might be hitting you up. Anytime. Okay, man. So to my big Ed idea listeners, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, um, from the absolute bottom of my heart, I appreciate you for taking the moment, taking the time to listen to us this evening. Um, as a dad of four that is doing literally way too much, I know the importance of time. And so the just the simple fact that you are spending your time with Mike and I tonight says quite a, quite a bit, and I appreciate that. If you would like to get a hold of me, or if you have a big ed idea that you'd like to discuss, please hit me up on Twitter, Ryan C. Scott, 1981. It's probably the easiest way. Um, you can also check out my website, ryanscotted.com. And um, yeah, so keep on dreaming, my friends, because literally the only way that the world changes is by those that dream it. Um, and so like my big grandfather, big John Janoski, liked to tell me every time that he would leave, Ryan, until next time, I'll see you in the funny. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.